Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with your colleagues. If you're looking for more content, check out or follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook for some different types of content and check out robsreliability.com as well. If you're looking for a short daily audio tip, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Tip of the Day on your favorite podcast platform. As well, it's also available on Amazon Alexa as a flash briefing. So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, I'm here with Adam Streddle from Ludeca. Adam, how are you today? Hey, how's it going, man? Nice to, nice to hear from you. No, it's great to talk to you again. I mean, we had a conversation before, but... We're, we're back here, you know, it's snowing on my end in Edmonton. It sounds like it's pretty nice in Miami, so it's nice for you. 76 degrees, man, in, in March. Can't complain. <laughs> That's right. That's pretty perfect. We're getting, uh, I just looked it up, and we're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 20 centimeters of snow. So, you know, that's around four to, I guess, around 10 inches. So we'll see how it turns out today. <laughs> no, so, so Adam, I guess... You know, like you do a lot of laser alignment and laser alignment training for Ludeca. So do you want to just give us a breakdown of how you got your start in maintenance and reliability? So um, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I came from the aerospace industry. I worked uh, for a rotating equipment group in an aerospace company uh, up in uh, Connecticut. And, uh, you know, me and my wife, due to winter conditions and, and family, we decided to move back to Miami and... Uh, you know, I found I found a posting by Ludeca looking for a mechanical engineer and, and honestly I didn't I didn't know much about maintenance reliability. I knew about design. Uh and, and so I learned a lot here and uh and you know I've been here now for almost nine years and and I'm heavily involved in, in precision alignment now. And so you know, you teach precision alignment. So if there's anyone that's out there that's looking to get a precision alignment course, where would they find details about that? Uh, they can go to ludeca.com. Uh, we have our training schedule there. They can contact us if they want a specific training done at their facility or they want to come down here. Uh, and not, not just alignment, just, you know, machine uh, installation, base plate measurements, flatness, that those, those sort of things, bore alignment. So it's not just precision alignment, but almost uh, any laser measuring technology. Perfect. And, and I guess I, I wanted to get into precision alignment with you because, you know, the longer I've been in reliability, the more I kind of learned or figured out that the basics are really the key. And once you get those basics right, a lot of your problems go away. And so do you want to just give us a breakdown of like, what are the benefits of doing precision alignment? Okay, so doing precision alignment will help you uh, increase the life of your asset or your rotating equipment. 
So bearings will fail less often. You'll have less coupling wear. You'll have less downtime. Your machines will run more efficiently with less vibration, less heat. I would say a bit quieter as well. Yeah. And like, it's, it's kind of obvious, I, I guess, you know, just thinking about it, but when they're misaligned, you can really see some stress that's typically not there when they are aligned. Right. Correct. And, and look, you were talking about, you were talking about, you know, knowing the basics and, and, and it's true. Precision alignment really starts at the base plate, you know, making sure that the base plate is flat, that it's level, that it's rigid, that, that the, the feet are making full contact with the base plate or the shims before you even get to start the alignment process. So it all starts there. So how do we make sure the, like the base plate is all flat? You can use lasers for that. Uh, so you have lasers that, are, that do a full 360 turn. So essentially creating a, a laser plane that is parallel to the base plate or level to earth. You know, the, the choice depends on, on, the, on the user. And you basically measure the height at, at different points and, and then laser tool can give you the, the, the mesh or the grid of how the base plane looks, whether it's flat or out of flat. Awesome. And, and then when, once it's flat, like we're sort of, I guess we're ready then to start doing an alignment. And so I guess, I guess before we get into the, the alignment itself, like what types of tools and training do we need to get started with doing alignment? Well, I think I think uh, going through a precision alignment training, typically three days would be good. That that helps the user understand what what steps to take during the alignment process. Not only how to use the tool, but really how to how to do alignment properly. Uh, having something as simple as a procedure helps as well. If 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 the company doesn't have a procedure, we have a a simple procedure available on our website as well, free of charge. But Something, of course, uh, talking about tools, something as simple besides the laser tool as well, but making sure you have uh, feeler gauges, you have a full shim kit, uh, that you have your, your proper wrenches. Pen and paper helps, you know, to write things down, to, make, to keep track of where, what shims you've been putting in into the different feet. Charger, you know, not a charger, I'm sorry, a, a, an extension cord. Uh, you know, if, if, if you forgot to charge your tool the night before, you know, you want to have an extension cord run it so you don't finish it. You know, you don't stop in the middle of alignment having to go charge your tool. These are the little things that, that help. Uh, of course, cleaning supplies are very helpful as well. And I would say uh, much needed, you know, things like cotton rag, you know, the little compressed air spray, anything that will help clean a wire brush, anything that will help clean the, the, the base plate and around the feet and the area that you're going to be working on. <laughs> yeah, cleaning's a big thing. I mean, I've been to a lot of industrial plants and and typically most of them are not clean at all. Right, right. So, what are the like what are the steps of an alignment? So, like we start off, we're going to make sure the base plate, well, we probably want to clean the area first, but then we're going to make the base plate make sure it's flat and then what do we go where do we go from there? So, let's say then you mount your machine onto the base plate and and you kind of you have to rough align the machine first. The the laser or, or even if you're doing dial indicators, they're meant to do precision alignment. So you do your rough alignment first, get it close. Otherwise, you're gonna see shaft deflection from the coupling if if the if the alignment is is too much, the misalignment I should say. So before you want to do you, of course you want to do your safety procedures, right? Your tag out and lockout. 
safety is always number one is the most important. So you do you also want to do uh, a visual inspection, look for cracks in the foundation, look for for broken welds or warped surfaces, things like that. You know, use your senses to look for for defects. And then after the cleaning, as I said, you want to do a rough alignment, and you also want to do a rough soft foot. Uh, just because you 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 check the base for flatness doesn't mean that the machine is going to have full contact. Uh, you know, one of the machine one of the machine feet may have been machine too short and so with the machine resting on the base plate or on the shims you may not be fully sitting on on the base plate you know what i mean uh so checking for what we call a rough soft foot with a feeler gauge will help get rid of that gap under the foot then at that point once you you know once you find out that you rough aligned it and, and you did a rough soft foot then at that point is when you can bring the laser out you know, you mount it on your bracket on, on your shaft with the brackets, and and the most important step, I would say, in laser alignment is is the first step is to check for repeatability. You know, we've all heard the term before in in carpentry, uh, measure twice, cut once. You want to do the same thing. As soon as you mount your lasers, your first reading you should take twice. There are many reasons why, why you wouldn't be able to repeat your readings, and and. You know, that's a conversation all on its own. Uh, but you want to make sure you establish repeatability before you make that cut on the wood. And, and the same thing applies here. You want to establish repeatable readings before you make any adjustments. After your machine is already close to being aligned, that's what you want to do a soft foot check with the laser and get any residual soft foot out if possible. If possible. Uh, I'll, and emphasize that. And, and at the end, the final step is when you do your, ver your final vertical adjustments and your final horizontal adjustments. And then, of course, you want to save and document your, your alignment. Awesome. And, and I guess we'll jump forward a little bit. But when we spoke last time, you kind of mentioned that soft foot is like when you have a table that wobbles, like one of the feet doesn't necessarily is either longer or shorter than the other ones. Can you just give us a breakdown of what is soft foot? OK, so what you, what you just said is actually a type of soft foot. There's, there's many ways that you can have a soft foot condition. But by definition, soft foot is, is really anything that causes the frame of the machine to distort or to twist. So it may not necessarily be anything to do with the foot, but again, it's anything that causes the frame of the machine to distort. For example, pipe stress is, is a common soft foot condition. It has nothing to do with the foot or the feet of the pump. It's all, it's all on the piping. And, and so pipe stress is causing the pump frame to distort and that is considered a software condition. And that and that's like for people listening, that's when the pipe is either too long or too short. Well, not necessarily. It, it, yes, but it's also in the case that the, the, the piping doesn't really match or meet the pump flange. So essentially, sometimes a common practice is to use a come along, bring the piping over to, to mate it with the pump flange and bolt it together. And so what the piping is going to do is it's going to pull back to its original position, pulling on the pump flange, and then the pump flange will distort the frame of the pump. So what you said is right. Yes, the, the length applies, but also the position with, with respect to the pump. And so I, I guess, you know, the, the next logical question is how do we identify it? Pipe stress? So the most common practice is, is to use a laser 
you can you can mount the laser on the shaft and essentially when you loosen up a single bolt the machine should not move correct yeah so what happens is if you have a soft foot condition uh, that is being affected by that particular foot as soon as you loosen up the foot the shaft because of the because the machine frame is distorted the shaft is going to move and that's where you have the lasers mounted so the lasers are, are detecting the software condition due to shaft movement by by detecting that the machine frame became undistorted does that make sense yep it absolutely does and so once we identified that we had soft foot, how would we correct it? Like would like it would clearly be different if it was pipe stress related or if it was the base plate related, right? Well, it's, it's not that simple. Soft foot is really not that simple. And for those people that, that, that have been there and, and done it, it can be very frustrating. But, but to answer your question, I would say the most accurate way to correct a soft foot condition is to take a feeler gauge and physically measure the gap under the foot with the bolt loosened. So essentially that will give you a clear profile whether the foot is rising evenly or if it's rising at an angle. You know, most people, or I would say some people, prefer putting a dial indicator on the foot. And that's fine when you when your foot rises evenly or parallel to the surface, to the base plate. Uh, but if there's any angularity between the base plate and the foot, when you loosen up the bolt, the dial indicator will, reading will depend on where you place it. But a feeler gauge is the most accurate way that you can get a clear profile, you know, checking, let's say, three out of the four corners of the foot, you can really see the profile under the foot. And, and you know, you shim accordingly. And so shimming is just putting essentially like a door stopper or just more metal underneath the foot, right? But yeah, in the case that if you have an, a, a, an angled foot, for example, common practice suggests to to what well, we we'll do step shimming so you you can either uh, build or create a, a wedge shim kind of like what you what you mentioned a, a doorstop style you can machine that out or you know some people will do a step shimming which is essentially let's say put four or five thousand shims stacked on top of each other kind of like a staircase uh to come to compensate for the angle under the machine uh that's typically done as a temporary solution though and so, like a shim, is that any material we have on site that's like steel or something? Or how do we, where can we buy those? Preferably you want pre-cut stainless crush resistant shims. So rust resistant and crush resistant shims. Uh, and you can buy those at, uh, at you know, shim manufacturers. Uh, we actually sell shims ourselves. But yeah, if you want, you want to try to find pre-cut and, and a full shim kit, if possible, to have to have at their disposal. Otherwise, you you know, if you don't have a full shim kit, or or do not provide your technicians with a full shim kit, then they'll eventually end up putting too many shims under their foot, and inducing a soft foot condition because of it. So, what is a full shim kit, and what's in it? Uh, just basically have many sizes and 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 many of each size. So you know, you have anywhere from 1,000 to 5, then it goes 10, 15, 20, 25, 50, 75, 100, 120,000. And you want to have many of those. And of course, having the correct size of shim for the foot or the bolt that you're using is important as well to have proper support under the foot. 
Absolutely. And so I, I guess we'll jump back a little bit. So last time when we spoke, you mentioned that we could align something like when it's cold or stationary, but then when it starts to run, it becomes misaligned due to thermal growth. How, like how does that work? And I guess what are the best practices along making sure it's going to be aligned when it's running? Okay. So, you know, due to, due to thermal gradients and, and, dynamic load shifts in the machine, and even piping expanding or contracting will cause the alignment condition to change from when the machine is off to when it's running. And if if companies or the technicians are not really accounting for that movement before you start the alignment, you know, it it could be that, you know, the, the technician will align the machine to perfect zeros, which is nearly impossible. But let's say that they align it to, to perfect conditions, uh, zero, 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 zero. Uh, and they started up and, you know, the, the vibration guy will come in after him, uh, you know, a couple of days later, check the vibration on the machine and the machine is running and the vibration guy says it's misaligned. So they'll shut it down, they'll check the alignment again and the machine is aligned. And then they run it and it's misaligned. So, you know, it could be that during the alignment process, it wasn't accounted for the movement or the shifts in the machine to to know, to misalign it in, on uh, to purposefully misalign the machine before you started, so that it runs into alignment instead. And and typically, the the most accurate way to get that data is to do a monitoring of the of the changes in position. So the idea is to put your your laser heads, and this is typically with with higher end lasers you place your laser heads with special bracketing near the bearing housing whether that be drilled and tapped onto the housing of the machine or epoxied uh maybe magnetically mounted so you you have the lasers looking at each other and and establishing a, a zero condition and as you shut down the machine or as you ramp it up or any process in between uh you can track the alignment condition as it happens uh, and and that'll, that'll be the most accurate way to get positional change or, or thermal compensation data. And I mean, that makes sense, right? Like if it's running, that's ideally where we want it to be aligned versus when it's stopped. Correct. So I, I guess there was two other methods that I think you mentioned last time that, that in order to do that. So what are those other two methods? Well, the, the most common is to get the data directly from the OEM, right? The manufacturer of the machine. You know, they, that, those are, that's data that the manufacturer collected at their facility with their conditions and their piping and all that. So some companies run their own tests. One way to do that would be to do a, a, a calculation of, of thermal growth. Uh, so essentially, you, you would be calculating the expansion of the, of the housing of the machine at each support. Or, or each bearing position, I should say. And, and, but the only the thing is, if you do that, you're only really accounting for the expansion due to heat of the housing of the machine, and that's it. And you would have to do that for each uh, bearing support. The, the other way would do to be to do a, a hot and cold check, and, and that's very common to do. A hot and cold check and essentially entails that you shut down the machine, you take a, high, a reading of the coupling while the machine is still, quote-unquote, hot, you let it cool down to ambient temperature, and you take a reading when the machine is cold, and the difference will tell you how much the machine moved. The problem is, with that method, is that machines cool very, very fast, 
And if you have to go through safety procedures like tagging and lockout, how long does it usually take? A couple of minutes, right? And, and obviously, that's not the case. You know, they usually take uh, an hour, maybe two hours. And and you know, if you have, still have to remove the coupling guard, you know, that might take a few minutes. Unless everybody's ready to go with the tag on a lockout and all the paperwork, and and let's say you have a, a pit crew type of of technicians that can remove the coupling guard in seven seconds or less, you know, it's it's even then you're not truly getting the running condition. So in best case, you're not really truly getting the running condition. In most cases, when we do a hot hot and cold check, the hot condition is probably halfway cool already, maybe more. And obviously to do these checks, right, like you're not looking at the most basic laser alignment tool, right? Well, actually, the two methods, the calculation method and, and the hot and cold check, that's something you can use any any laser alignment tool. And and the calculations you're going to do offhand. You can do it. You can do it. We have a Ludeca app. You can do it on the app or you can do it by hand. There's a, there's a formula for it. And then basically you plug in the tool, you plug in the values into your laser alignment tool. The hot and cold check is essentially taking a measurement of the coupling. Even a low-end tool will do that. But off the tool, what you'll do is you, you'll take the difference between the hot condition and the, whole, and the cold condition, and then you put the targets into the laser tool to compensate for that movement. You know, maybe, maybe low-end tools won't allow you to put in the thermal growth compensation at the coupling. Some will. But typically, mid-range to high-end tools will, will definitely allow you to, to compensate for, for thermal expansion. Awesome. One of the one of the things you mentioned, uh, at least at your presentation, was that if you have you know severe cases of misalignment, that you could move the stationary machine compared to moving the moving machine. Do you want to give us an example of that and kind of explain what you mean? I think you're 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 talking about having a, a bolt bound or a base bound condition. So essentially, you're constrained by the base. Of, of the movable machine or you're constrained by the by the bolts of the movable machine because you have so much misalignment that you can't really push it far enough to, to align it. And that's typically when the stationary machine is not really centered on the base plate and is typically not with equal number of shims underneath it, meaning that it's either pointing downward or pointing off to the left or to the side at an angle. Uh, so essentially, by the time you get to the movable machine or to move the, the outboard end or the non-drive end of the movable machine, you don't have enough movement there to compensate for that. If, if moving the stationary machine slightly on the drive end of it, uh, typically you don't want to move the non-drive end of, the, of a pump, for example, because you have piping attached to it. Uh, so you may not even be able to move that end. But if you can, if you can pivot about that end... And, and slightly move the front end, the drive end of the pump, you might be able to get away from a bolt on situation and, and adjust the movable machine to it. And essentially what you're doing is you're recentering the stationary machine back to center or closer to the center, I should say, uh, which should have been done in the installation process. You know, the, the example you provided, uh, at least at the, the, uh, your talk was, that you had piping, I think it was like 10 or 12 feet. What was, do you remember that one? Oh, uh, yeah, I was, I was doing a cooling tower alignment and, um, 
it was about 13 to 16 feet. It's been a while back. I can't remember the exact length of, of the coupling. But essentially, uh, the motor needed to move about three quarters of an inch. So you're looking at maybe, uh, I guess, two centimeters, give or take, maybe uh, just about two centimeters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to give it to you for your audience, you know. Uh, well, we got we got listeners across the board, so don't worry about the y- units. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I, you know, I want to do both units, right? Um, so I, I had to move about three quarters of an inch on the motor. And obviously, there's not enough room on, on, on the holes of the feet to be able to uh, to make that adjustment. We, we were able to calculate the movement at the gearbox side, you know, being 13 feet, 16 feet away. And, and to compensate for the three quarters of an inch movement at the, at the motor side, all I needed to do was adjust the gearbox seven thousandths of an inch. Just the front end, the, the, the drive end of the gearbox, seven thousandths to the right, and I would be able to align it horizontally and not have to move the motor three quarters of an inch. Of course, the, the, the length would depend on, on the amount of movement of, of the stationary machine. But uh, if, if it's a possible solution, uh, you can really get away from having to turn down bolts or increasing the hole size of the foot or even re-drilling new holes on the base plate, which are, are not recommended solutions. Uh, I say, I'll say this, turning down bolts, if, if it's done right, it, it is an acceptable solution if it's done right, but it, I, I would prefer to get away from the other things I mentioned. What, are, what is turning down bolts? Uh, turning down a bolt is essentially getting the, the, the shank diameter of the bolt to be the same as the inner diameter of the thread. You're taking out some of the material on the, the top end of the bolt. Well, not the top end because that's, that's where, you, where you put your wrench, but the, the shank diameter, the, the neck of it. You're reducing that diameter to essentially the weakest point on the bolt, which is the inner diameter of the thread. And that, that will typically give you a little bit more movement on the motor or, or on the movable machine uh, without weakening the bolt. So that you're just making the bolt smaller? Yes, yes and no. Yes and no. You're making the neck of the bolt smaller. The bolt will stay the same. The, the threaded part will, still, will stay the same. Well, you may have to machine some of that out depending on the situation. But essentially what you're doing is you're making the neck smaller. Again, to the inner diameter of the thread, which would be, which essentially you would keep the weakest point the same. Interesting. No, I mean, I love having this discussion with you because every time we we talk, like I, I literally know pretty much next to nothing about alignment, but every time we talk, I learn something new. So this is great. Nice. Yeah. I appreciate the, the, the platform and, and you having me here, man. No, I appreciate you coming on. So I, I guess kind of to wrap things up, I, I would like if you could give us, you know, like you go around and you teach alignment to, to people a lot. And what are the most common mistakes that you, you see people make? And like, what are your tips on avoiding those mistakes? Well, uh, a lot of times people will just go straight to, to slapping the lasers on and, and starting the alignment process. That's good if you're looking for an asphalt condition before you do anything. But doing rough alignment is very important. As I said earlier, doing proper cleaning uh, of, the, of the feet and getting any rust and grease and scale any other stuff that, that's going to be underneath the foot is, is very important. Again, also checking for repeatable readings, making sure that your numbers repeat before you make any adjustments. 
is, is also important. If you take a, a, a bad reading and, and you're taking that as, as the actual correction, uh, you'll be chasing your tail during the alignment process and, and it'll be frustrating. And you're gonna blame it on the tool. And, and it could be something as simple as you forgot to tighten the brackets onto the shafts. Uh, maybe there's mechanical looseness on the machine. Uh, there, there's a number of, of things that could happen that, that could be biting you without you noticing. So again, making sure that, that, that you're cleaning properly around the feet and under the feet, making sure that you, that you do rough alignment or rough soft foot. And, and I know it's, it's not really up to the, the technician doing the alignment, but sometimes if, if you can do a flatness check on the base, uh, if time permits or production permits, right? Uh, that that will also be uh, that'll help the success of, of of not only the alignment but increase the life of the machine because the machine will run uh, more efficiently and and longer due to not having a, a soft foot problem. Awesome, and I guess you know that kind of leads me to the next question, which is, you know, like how long would a typical alignment take? And like obviously that's a crazy question to ask you, but. Do you have any thoughts on that? Actually, I, I, I wrote a blog about it, about that sometime, I think, last year. And, and we have it on, on our Ludeca blog, but there's really no, there's no way I can answer that question accurately. Uh, you know, an alignment could take 30 minutes. Let's say, you have, let's say you have two sister machines, right? They're identical, and they're right next to each other. And they're in the same, uh, in the same room. And... The first alignment takes you 30 minutes, okay? The, you know, the base plate is, is brand new and, and you know, you, you, had, you got lucky, right? The, the one next to it could be identical, but take you three hours. You know, maybe uh, there was not, there was not, uh, nobody accounted for software during the installation. Maybe, you know, some bolts in the coupling were or lose a, a number of things could happen, but in, in reality, there's uh, there's no set time of how long an alignment should take. You know, I've taken as much as as a full shift to align three couplings, or I've taken as 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 little as as thirty minutes to align one. It it all depends on on the machine. It all depends on the situation and the conditions that the machine is in, or or the base plate for that matter. Sometimes it, it could take you as much as 20 minutes just to break the bolts loose. Uh, and if you don't have the tools there available, you're adding another 30 minutes to an hour by the time you actually go and get the tools, bring them back. So that, of course, adds to the alignment time. Yep. And it's like the big key to people listening, right, is, is to do it right the first time so you don't have to go back and do it again. It's, it's, it's like I say, man, there's... There's never time to do it right, but there's always time to do it twice. And, and I don't get that. <laughs> yep, that, that's common in our industry. That's for sure. <laughs> uh -huh, exactly. So I guess we've talked about it a lot throughout, but do you have any like overarching top tips for people who are listening, who are looking to do an alignment? You know, make, make sure that you're doing a soft foot check on your machines. Uh, and and minimizing the software condition as much as possible, that that alone will increase the life of the of the bearings. If if you can, 
try to follow a procedure. Like I said, we have one available at no cost. Following a procedure will always help uh, a reliability program. A good friend of mine, Jeff Shiver, always mentions, always says, you know, the number one tool for reliability is standardized work. So always follow a procedure if, if you can and, and you know, check for repeatability when you're, when you're doing an alignment, you know, making sure, at least at the beginning, uh, to ensure that, that you're making the right moves. Uh, and of course, you want to write. You want to have the right tool for the right job. You know, you you might have a, a critical piece of equipment, and and using a low end tool. You know what I mean. So having having the right tool for the right job also helps. No, no doubt about that. I guess with the procedures themselves, like like obviously on ludeca.com you have like five steps or something to laser alignment i have it somewhere in my house but how in depth do we need to go with our procedures so i mean the the procedure that we have available it's it's kind of the 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 tip of the iceberg it's more like on a, a guideline or an overview uh in in our procedure we don't really talk about uh checking the coupling gap checking shaft runout or coupling runout or, or talking about, let's say, magnetic center on a motor. There are several things that, that we don't cover uh, that, are, that would be more detailed on a, an actual written procedure by, by a company, by, by your plan, I should say, not a company, by your plans. Again, I mean, we kind of generalize the procedure so that everybody can use it, but there's a lot more details that go into the alignment that are not included in there. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, those procedures, like where would you, you'd probably need to get the training to get you started, to get you up to a level where you could even begin to write the procedures, because I know I'm not at a point where I could do that either. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, if anybody out there needs help, I mean, we, we can certainly help write a, an alignment specification for, for their plant if, if it's something that they needed. But typically, uh, most companies that I've dealt with have some sort of procedure already, at least the, the, the big plants, the big factories and refineries, typically they already have a, an alignment procedure in place. So it would be a matter of maybe looking in, into the archives of, of their facility. Perfect. So, so Adam, obviously people listening, if they want to, you know, either get that generic procedure or if they want to read the blog, they can go to ludeca.com, L-U-D-E-C-A.com. Is there any any other plugs that you could have? Are you going to be speaking at any conferences coming up? Actually, yes. I'm, I'm going to be talking about the reliability conference in, in May in Seattle. Uh, and I'll, I'll do a little introduction into geometric measurements, uh, basically saying that lasers are not just for, for shaft and pulley alignment, uh, but there's a lot, a lot of more measurements that you can do with lasers uh, throughout the facility. Uh, and, and of course, we have our, our road shows that we go around the, the country, different cities, uh, talking about, so I, I'll talk about alignment. Um, you know, we have SDT talking about ultrasound uh, and we have uh, lubrication engineers and uh, talking about, of course, greasing and choosing the right grease. And, and we have people in processes talking about RCM. Uh, this, those are uh, educational only, uh, roadshows that, that we're doing throughout throughout the U.S. No, those are definitely some great resources for people. All of those are great companies. So 
get, get on board with that. And, and I guess, would they go to ludeca.com to check the schedule for that? Yes. Yes. Perfect. And Adam, you know, I want to, like, I want to thank you again for coming on, uh, I guess a second time. Uh, I, I learned a little bit more, so eventually I'll get to a point where I can start doing, being dangerous with, with laser alignment. <laughs> Uh, you're coming after my job, man. I see. I see. <laughs> <laughs> We're a long way from there, for sure. <laughs> no, but it was it's my pleasure, man. Uh, I enjoyed talking with you, and and I like you, man. You're a good guy, and and I hope I hope people will 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 get something out of this, and and of course that that you get more subscribers. You know that you get your your message out there. Um, I'm following you on LinkedIn, and and I'm always seeing you, you're posting great. Great content, and, and I appreciate that. And, of course, I mean, if, if, if anybody has a question about precision alignment or, or geometric measurements, uh, I'm available on LinkedIn. And, you know, shoot me a, a message or call me at the office. That's uh, I'm usually available. Yeah, so, so if you're listening, like, obviously, Adam will be tagged in the post if you got there through uh, LinkedIn itself. But if not... Check the podcast notes. He'll his uh, his contact information. Well, his LinkedIn profile will be there, and you can connect with him on LinkedIn. Adam Streddle. Yeah, Adam. You know, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise. I appreciate it, man. Like I said, uh, thank you for for giving us the platform and and for listening to me for an hour <laughs> or uh, however much as long uh, it's been. Yeah. No, I. I hope. I mean, I'll, I hope we'll we'll cross paths again this year at a conference, and we'll sit down and talk again. So that'll be fun either way. I hope so. I hope so. Perfect. So everyone listening, you know, I appreciate you listening so much and spending your typically your commutes, but if you're at the gym too, uh, I appreciate you spending your workout with us. If you haven't yet, follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn or Facebook. 